Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts comes from (laughs) (laughs) welcome to on the edge with april mahoney brains we are at the spot your favorite place the podcast where the conversation is pointed the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull and today we have diane simbolo we're going to talk to her about the unification of marriage and the sanctity of marriage Mm -hmm. also uh having interracial biracial children uh, this is going to be pretty fascinating. She was grown. Uh, well, she grew up as a member of the Unification Church, the Moonies. Now, I had never thought that. I had never heard of that before. And it's uh, it's different. It says the the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification, widely known as the Unification Church, is a new religious movement derived of Christianity whose members are called unificationalists or informally moonies. She Mm. told me that it was a a cult. Mm. Mm. And I'm Mm. like, wow, what does that mean in modern times? And how did you break free? We're going to welcome you to the show. How are you doing, (laughs) Diane? Really good. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. You're as sweet as you can be. We are Mm. going to uh, talk about spirituality because... As you said, I have a lot of Australians that follow my show, tons. And um, I don't hear a lot about, you know, the Torah, the Bible, the Quran, or being Buddhist. I hear a lot about spirituality. Hmm. How did you find yourself in this space in Australia with the Moonies? Yeah, I didn't join in Australia. I was traveling around the world, you know, so um, I did not join in in Australia. And in fact, if, if I'd have met them here, I would have fobbed them off, quite honestly. <laughs> what you, you say? You would have fogged them off? I would have fobbed them off. F-O-B-B. Oh. Yeah, fobbed them oh, off. Oh, okay. I, you them know, I, love the, I love the different <laughs> idioms and terminologies in Australia, so I'll have to write that one down. Oh, F-O-B-B. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't even slightly religious. In fact, at the age of six, I went on strike and refused to go to church with my parents, you know, <laughs> because um, I asked uh, the minister a pointed question about Jesus and he couldn't answer the question. I thought, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm not showing up anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're supposed to be the expert. Sorry, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, why should I come? Yeah, so my parents used to go to the church by themselves. And so I wasn't, um, yeah, so we talk about spirituality in Australia. We're not super religious people as such. You know, people don't openly proclaim themselves to be Christians so much, you know, or or whatever religion they are. But we do uh, converse in spirituality. We're comfortable with that, you know, like, um, and it's the same thing. It's just got a different title and a different feel to it. Yeah, so... Yeah, but I don't know now, you know, because I'm very spiritual, but I I do believe in a religious text and a religious doctrine. I look Mm. at religion as uh, a Uber, 
yeah. is driving me to my destination. <laughs> but once I get to the spiritual realm, I've arrived. Yeah. yeah. But it's what you take on that journey with you. What are yeah. the disciplines? What is the learning? Uh, yeah. And also there's a lot of fear. You know, yeah. people will whip out their religious texts and they will whip you uh, to a pulp. Is that what you found happened as a part of the Moonies? Oh, yeah. People um, people persecuted us quite strongly because we were a new religion. I didn't grow up in the religion. I was in it for 41 years, <laughs> wow. but I, I didn't grow up in it. My children did grow up in it, you know, so they were like second generation in the in the church, or we called it a church. I think now it's a, a cult um, because I've had a lot of experience since then, uh, since leaving. It's only two years ago now. But um, so... Uh, oh, wait, so you've just been removed from the religion uh, for two years? Yeah, yeah, not very wow. long. Not very long. I spent most of my most of my life um, uh, committed to the, the church, you know. So I believed it was a church, you know because I didn't have a lot of experiences with religions. Uh, so I was somewhat naive, you know, like I left my church at the age of six. So <laughs> anybody who tried to witness to me after that, I used to shut them down. I wasn't interested in religious people. I thought they were a little bit weird and I thought they were very judgmental and not very kind, you know? Um, so I didn't meet wonderful religious people. Uh, but the the ones that I did meet um, were were truly wonderful, and I would approach them and ask them questions because they didn't bombard me, you know. Um, so I like open and honest conversations that I can instigate. I don't want someone breathing down my neck and trying to force me into a way of belief, you know. Assist, well, assist again, belief. I tell people yeah. all the time: you got to have your own personal relationship with Absolutely. God, Spirit, yes. Gus. God, yeah. universe, spirit, yeah. uh, your own personal relationship. It cannot yeah. be delivered through the uh, interceder of your pastor yeah. Yeah. or your cult leader, because once you get that feeling, like yeah. me, once I got the Holy Ghost, yeah. I don't know if you ever seen anybody get the Holy Ghost to start shouting and yeah. speaking in tongues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. honey, there's it's undeniable. I, I look right past the pastor. <laughs> now, I see also that you still have a, a a fondness for the divine. I see that there's a beautiful angel on your shelf. Yes, that was given to me by uh, a lawyer that I worked with. When I, I was I work in uh, family violence. I support women who are going through family violence, but I also went through it myself. And um, that was um, a faith based marriage. That was a marriage that was. Um, organized by our church yeah so um I, my partner was chosen for me so i actually wait, relate wait 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 you go, you, you <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's dial back because you because you married an african didn't you yes i did yes oh I did. boy so I... <laughs> uh, uh, um, an africana or an african a black african or a white africana no 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 black african yeah he was oh, from west africa boy. Not not even South Africa, West Africa. Yeah. So West Af Africa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and were you one of uh many wives or were you, you know, that's no. no, no. Uh the the um the Moonies don't have multiple wives, they have one, you know, like the one marriage kind of thing, yeah. And you're supposed to remain loyal to that. 
even beyond your life itself yeah so so um no there was only one but he came from a muslim family so i came from my father was jewish my mother was christian and he was from muslim background and in my about three generations three or four generations ago i had a, a chinese buddhist grandmother somewhere as well so oh I, my goodness so you had the alphabet soup of religion yeah. bless, yeah. Your heart. bless your heart bless your heart so, all right, yeah. so now let, let's kind of go through this kind of systematically. Brain, yeah. this is not to judge you. This is no. Diane's experience. Yeah. Okay, this is my personal experience. This is a yeah. conversation. Yeah. Color in the white spaces where you may. Don't get <laughs> your feelings hurt, okay? Because this is what this is what it has been for us. It may yeah. be totally different for you. We honor and respect that, but now we're about to go hard and heavy. Now, <laughs> let's go back to... Uh, this you finding the moonies and yeah. let's progress from there yeah i met them when i arrived in um in england uh, i'd been traveling for about three years at that stage i did a couple of years around australia and then i went overseas and i traveled across several countries worked in different places um started out on a kibbutz in israel or a couple of kibbutzim in israel and um, and then worked my way across Europe and and um, slept on beaches and did all sorts of things, you know. So <laughs> and then made my way to England and um, I met uh, two members the moment I stepped out of uh, Victoria Station. So I'd been in Victoria Station for two hours. They're not allowed to go in there. <laughs> They're banned from there because um, they they uh, they considered nuisances. So I met two members. One uh, one of the girls was super religious, so she was kind of struck dumb. And thankfully, she couldn't open her mouth because I would have ditched her really quickly. And okay, then wait wait wait, wait. Uh, and I, I kind of want to interrupt in between yeah. because you use certain terminology, and I yeah. want to get your perspective of what that means. Yeah. What do you mean by super religious? Super religious meaning um, someone who uh, talks about uh, the religion a lot. You know, uh, uh, over, uh, I would have found it overwhelming someone talking about God and talking about Jesus and talking about their faith, you know, whereas mm -hmm. the person who approached me approached me saying we want to create uh, a unified world people of all colors, all faiths, all religions, you know, like all people coming together under the one banner of unity. So not under the one banner of religion, but under the one banner of unity and a future for the world. So that's the very difference. If if I had been approached saying, do you believe in God? I would have said, no, nah, and I would have gone. That, that wouldn't have been true, but I would have just right. gone. So because... they came to you with the soft sell. Yeah, soft sell. Yeah, because right. that was that was uh, that person's approach, you know, and that but was their system. At that time in your life, yeah, were you, uh, were you maybe vulnerable? Were you seeking? Were you unaware? Had you been mistreated? Was there something that you were that that was exuding out of your body when you got, you know, when you're in this train station that these people said, mm, she might be one. Uh, I was wearing a backpack. That was the that was the surefire way of being witnessed to by a Mooney. Uh, I was wearing a backpack, you know. Um, yes, I was seeking. Um, I'll tell you a funny little story. When I was 
on the, in Israel on the Mount of Olives, you know, I was, I always proclaimed myself to be agnostic, you know, so I had a belief um, that there was something bigger than me, but I didn't want it attached to a religion. So, so I went to the Mount of Olives, you know, and um, uh, I remembered about the, what I'd read in the Bible many, many moons before and um, saying that he will come on the clouds. So I looked up at the sky and I thought, Jesus, come. You know, I, was really, I was really surprised at myself. But what was more disappointing was that there wasn't a cloud in the sky, so he wasn't coming anytime soon that day, you know. So, <laughs> so, so, yes, there was something within me that felt the world needed a saviour. Yeah, there was something within me. And um, I think people come at that, come at that realisation or come, yeah, at, at many different paths, you know, and it's not always religious paths. Sometimes it's just looking around the world and thinking, hang on, the world's not as I would hope it, it would be. You know, I saw a lot of injustice and I saw a lot of injustice in Israel and you can see what's going on now. Well, we're going um, we we to talk about that in just yeah. a minute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you looked up in the sky. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't see the great one. <laughs> you're, you're, you're on this journey, on this quest with this backpack. You land in Europe. <laughs> You yeah. meet these uh, these individuals that are asking you, you know, what are you looking for? Maybe yeah. we can help you. So you yes. get involved with the Moonies. Now, why? That's another big word I want to. Why do you call it an occult? Not a occult, just cult. Yeah, just, just a cult. cult. Yeah, um, yeah. Because since leaving. Um, I've uh, I now work with people who are survivors of cults, you know, and the more I talk to those people, the more I realize um, there are there are an astonishing number of so-called messiahs around the world, and they are all using the same strategies. Since I am a survivor of family violence, I look through everything with the lens of of a survivor of violence, and I'm very very familiar with the strategies of coercive control. So many um, uh, new religions, new age religions use those same strategies. So when I started looking um, more deeply at the strategies that were used and the strategies that are still implemented, it's exactly the same as, as any coercive control, any coercive control. So right, well, yeah. give, us, give us a couple a couple things or patterns or um, some trickery, as I call it. That they put on you. What what is that about? What, give us something that that yeah. is a part of the patterns. Uh, one of the key patterns is um, isolation. So uh, uh, when you're, it's particularly in the Moonies. We were, if we were married or when we were married, the women would most often go to another country. We were moved around from country to country, you know. So we would go to the, the husband's country or go to even another country. So isolation, um, isolation from your family, from your friends, you know. Um, it, uh, I was put into a country where I didn't speak the language, didn't understand the culture very much, made lots of mistakes, you know. So it's a very lonely process. So isolation is one of the key strategies of coercive control there was another section of isolation within the moonies in particular because there was a lot of persecution they were encouraged to uh, sever their relationship or sever contact with 
parents and families and friends, okay? Now, I didn't agree with that, so I actually didn't do that. Um, I was a bit of a um, slightly rebellious, um, but for a good reason. You think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just didn't see that uh, cutting off my relationship with my family would be a good outcome, you know? So I didn't agree with that and I didn't do it. And that, thankfully, I always had that. Um, another uh, strategy is, um, you know, about social proof. Um, um, Cialdini wrote a book, uh, Powers of Persuasion. Anyway, he speaks about social proof. So if someone, if there's a whole group of people who are doing um, the same thing, you know, and you're the only person who's not doing that thing, you think, well, because there's so many people doing this or so many people believing this, then it must be true. You mm. kind of follow the crowd because it feels more comfortable than being the odd one out. So social proof is another big thing that's used in the Moonies. Uh, and I'm talking about all different um, all different uh, cults or, or um, what they call um, like high demand religions, you know, like where they, they have high demands on you. Um, another aspect was um, to dominate your time from morning to night, you know, sleeplessness, you know, and um, conditioning, you know, to, to dedicate your every moment um, to the faith and uh, to study constantly, you know, to, to constantly wash your brain with the belief system. Um, you know, so, so is that enough? You know, like that's well, they, well, no, 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 no. But what I'm saying, did they use or do they have their own religious text or doctrine or intermediation or did they try to use the Holy Bible? The, the Bible's there, the, um, the whole uh, Old and New Testament's there. They also incorporate, um, uh, different, uh, the, the Jewish faith, the Muslim faith, they incorporate everything. So, um, they roll it all into one kind of thing, but it's based on Christianity, you know, Old and New Testament. Was there yeah. physical, was there physical violence? Was there, um, uh... not for me, but for the, some of the children. Um, yes. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, so that's... They, they beat you into submission. Um, I had, a an elder, a Korean elder, who said it was really good to um, keep smacking your child until they did what you told them to do. And I didn't agree with that as well. So I rebelled against that and I just did my own thing. You know, I decided I wasn't going to brutalize my child, but maybe other people did do that. And I found out they did, you know, so uh, not everybody, certainly there's really good people. There's always good people in these, these different, um, organizations always well, that's what donald trump says there's some very good people on both sides so i i i get that it's subjective i'm not saying that they are horrible people but they're seekers too and they yeah, yeah. in this doctrine they don't separate themselves they incorporate themselves and so yeah. i look at people like dictators you yeah fascinating fascination with dictators because of how they move how yeah. they are able to coerce you, manipulate you. But also in that, you feel loved because you are a part of a unity, you're part of a family. You you build alliances with, you know, with the people that are good to you, that you're good to them. Uh, you go through this whole metamorphosis of change. You're all seeking the same thing, which is love, acceptance, awareness, and abundance is what I am. Yeah. You stumbled across this big, fine, black African man <laughs> and married him and became a Mooney. Girl, tell us about that. Yeah. 
Um, we were, this is going to be fun for you, Violet. <laughs> oh, not Violet. <laughs> April. <laughs> Where that came from. I'll be you, Violet. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is going to be fun for you because I was part of a six thousand couple marriage. Huh? What? We're in. We're in the. Um, what's the beautiful book that has all of the records in the world? Yeah. Um, um, Guinness. Goodness Guinness book, world of book of records. Wow. <laughs> we're in there. We're in there. <laughs> so um, I was part of six thousand uh, couples, meaning twelve thousand individuals who came to Korea. And were matched together by Reverend Moon uh, with their partners. Yeah. So we met, we met one day. We were engaged that day and we were married two days later. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, we went our separate ways. You have like a basically a three year separation, you know, um, and then you come back together as husband and wife. Yeah. But you're married during that time. Yeah. yeah wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me color in the white space. So somebody says, baby, will you be mine? Under this Christian belief or doctrine, uh, you get with them. Uh, and then after two days, they ship you off somewhere else. Yeah. To become this submissive wife. Yeah. And your husband goes somewhere to become this, you know, this dominant role figure. I, <laughs> I don't get, I don't get the in-between there. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, <sighs> What's the in-between you're looking for? Get, well, why did, okay, so, you know, you're, you're not having an opportunity to even consummate the marriage before you're being shipped off. What was the reasoning? What was the the, 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 the methodology behind the, sep the immediate separation and isolation? Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't have liked it if we had to consummate the marriage after knowing one another for three days anyway. And, you know, it was, well, it was you married him after knowing yeah. him two days. I, 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 I know. Did they pray yeah. for this in the religion, you know, Absolutely. before you got married? So you were Absolutely. a moon before a couple, you know, yeah. years or whatever. Yeah. And then they you progressed to the marriage and they introduced you to yeah. someone. Yeah, the lead up, the lead up uh, when you join the church, the lead up is that um, when you join, I, I wanted to join and dedicate my life to God, you know, and I thought I'll be single for the rest of my life. I'm cool with that, you know, I've had fun. <laughs> I'm okay, you know, and then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but gradually they started introducing the idea that actually the purpose of you joining is to become married and have children, okay, and um, and so they started introducing that idea and I thought, I don't want to do that, you know, and all that sort of stuff, so I just put it back, but um, after two years, I realized that's what we had to do, so all of us had to get married, you know, and that's also to expand expand the faith you know yeah mm -hmm. but um so so yeah you're conditioned to believe that that's the way to go so it's a lot of conditioning a lot of conditioning um people who were already married were treated as if they were on a pedestal you know like they were more holy than us and all that sort of stuff so there's a lot of conditioning that goes on that makes you believe this is the way to go yeah okay yeah. So you get married and you're separated, separated from him for three years. Yeah. And then you become, you know, husband and wife and you finally yeah. consummate the relationship. Yeah. Take us there. What, what was that like? The marriage itself? Uh, the marriage, yeah, there's a lot of control behind the scenes, you know, um, like the, the leaders 
like the national leaders in the country where you you live, they have a lot of control over your relationship and stuff like that. So, um, and you're con uh, you're considered that you should do everything for the church and not a lot for yourselves, you know. Um, uh, you're still considered that you should be contributing to the church, you know, that that's the whole focus, um, that your marriage is for the church, your children are for the church, everything's for the church, you know. So your finances are for the church. Especially your finances for the mm -hmm. church, especially. Mm -hmm. And so we... Yeah, so we created a little business, or I created a business because I was a, a commercial artist beforehand. Um, that was my first job. I was also a nurse and a music teacher, but uh, commercial art is much easier to travel with. I just traveled, and um, so I started a little art business, and that was the only business that our leader didn't shut down, you know, like he didn't have any say over that, and um, I made that into a successful business while I was there, you know, so... I even won a prize for the best design and everything like wow. that. And <laughs> so how did your husband feel about you working? That's a form of control too. And 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 he loved it. He loved it. He loved it. He loved the fact that his wife had to stay at home all day, all night, working on these these cards that I made. Um, and he just nicked off. I didn't know where he went to. I asked him where he went to, and he would just leave me to it. So I did all of the work. And he reaped the rewards. I found out later, much later, that um, he was uh, spending time playing cards with his mates. He was gambling. Um, he, I, I became pregnant quite quickly. And, um, and uh, I started, I became very, very ill um, in, at the end of my third month. And I lost weight. So I lost, you talk in pounds, right? Uh, I lost about... Um, 28 pounds in eight days and I never regained that weight so I was actually underweight when I gave birth to my daughter and he was gaining weight because he was feeding himself but kind of forgetting to feed me um, and I was pregnant and then I was working sometimes up to 20 hours a day you know eventually he started helping me because the business became bigger so he would he would help me uh, can I show you what we were doing yeah I'll show you I'd yeah yeah, this is um, this is one one example of what we were doing. There we go. Can you see that? Oh my God, those that is yeah. gorgeous. What is it? That's a is it a greeting card, a postcard? A it's just card? a it's just a, it's just a little card, and people used to buy these and send them home, you know, because it's so like African. I made African designs because I was in Africa. I tried other designs thinking that people wouldn't accept me making African designs when I'm not actually African, but that's what people wanted. So I had to make what people wanted in order to have a business. Yeah. So here's some of the others. Yeah. And um, anyway, so I, I made these. So yes, that type of thing. So just little... Yeah, they're kind of nice. I, I like them. Oh, and this is my Christmas one. <laughs> I made I made a Christmas one with an wow. African woman. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> that is that. Wow, that's really cool. Because I'll tell you, from yeah. my experience, again, yeah. the African culture is more tribalistic. More, yeah, yeah. Very, more, yeah. more voodoo. Yeah. Because that is their deity. That is how they connected to spirit through... Mm what we call witch doctors, um, hmm. uh, spiritualist, uh, yeah. incantations, hmm. blood hmm. sacrifice. So hmm. that 
can be the total polar opposite from Christianity. Mm. Okay? And the slaves really under uh, underwent a lot of turmoil as they mm. were brought from Africa to the United States mm. for the slave trade. Now, we all know the story of eventually what happened. Mm. Uh, mm. But also the story of voodoo because they had to take on this religious doctrine of Christianity, but it was so foreign from them. Yeah. So it was not originally designed from what my guests tell me and what I learned in New Orleans as a form of punishment, but it was a form of spirituality and connecting with the gods, but they had to incorporate it into this way of thinking because now they're so far away um, from what everything that they know, they're still trying to bring that, you know, bring that to fold. Now, let me ask you another thing uh, with the husband. Was there abuse there? Was there, you know, because sexual abuse, was there additional mind control outside of the Moonies? Because he's got his own way of running things. I'm sure that there was a deep cultural divide. Did you know his family at all? What happened there? Never got to meet his family. He said it wouldn't be good for me to meet his family. I didn't understand that. I asked other other women who were married to Africans and um, they had all met the, the families, but he refused to allow me to meet his family or his mother and father. Um, I did bump into a cousin of his and one brother because they came to visit us. But apart from that, I met none of his family. I was kept quite isolated. Yeah, yeah. And so he never met your family because you said you still had a relationship with him. And I'm sure that, you know, this uh, this Jewish mother is going, oh, my God, what what has my daughter gotten herself into? <laughs> no, it was my father who was Jewish. Mum was Christian. But um, they, we, we came to Australia, fortunately for me. We came to Australia just in time for the birth of my eldest daughter um, because had I stayed, I was, I didn't know until I came home to Australia that I was actually sick. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so um, I probably wouldn't have survived very long and my daughter would have been left with no mother. So I'm really grateful we came home. My parents helped us to do that, you know, and. Um, so when you yeah. say helped us come home, did she bring yeah. that? Did she bring the husband too or just yeah we were married we were well and truly married at that stage we didn't break up until we were we had 27 years of marriage we didn't break up until 20 years 20 years and that's um that's why i wanted to talk to you about faith-based marriages because a woman's faith a woman's identity as a uh, her identity as a woman of faith will keep her in a bad relationship for a lot longer than normal Okay, uh, if you if you if it's not a faith based marriage, you're more likely to give yourself the opportunity to leave, you know, but when your marriage is based on faith, leaving means, am I leaving my faith too? what does that mean about me as a woman of faith, you know, so that's the complexity that I think is is worthy of a conversation, because it's it is very complex. And also a lot of religions and I'm talking about all main mainstream religions. I'm not talking about just cults. I'm talking about all mainstream religions. There's a lot of pressure exerted on women 
who are in violent relationships, in violent marriages, that, that they should stay, you know, just go home and pray, dear, you know, and then God will descend and he will help you and your, your husband will be fine. And he's not, he's never going to be fine, you know. So I, I Nobody's just, perfect. <laughs> but it's your faith that's the problem, you know, you're the problem. So the poor woman's being, whatever's happening to her is happening and they're saying it's your problem. You know, the the marriage is bad because of you, because you haven't got enough faith. And I thought, well, that's just rubbish, you know. So it took me a while to come to terms with it was rubbish. <laughs> and then I started to tell them this is rubbish, you know. Um, a bad marriage is a bad marriage, you know. Violence in a relationship is violence in a relationship. Yeah. And you asked me before, was there sexual abuse? There was certainly sexual abuse. But often... That is something that's not spoken about by women who go through family violence. Sometimes that is a taboo area because in religious, uh, in a religious circle, sometimes that's considered, you know, that's between the husband and wife. No one talks about that. But if it's abusive, it's abusive. It's simple as that, you know. So, right. and, and, then, and it's yeah. not, brains. what you have to understand is just because you're married to someone and yeah. you know, no is still no. Yeah, yeah. No, no is still no. You don't yeah. want to be violated. And then the there's no gratification. Mm. There's no sexual stimulation. Mm. Uh, there are all kind of weird things that can happen to you, hurtful things yeah. that can happen to you. And again, you have no one to turn to because you are supposed to be submissive because you are the wife. But then there's other religions that pass the women around like, you know, yeah. like tokens. Okay, yeah. you can do this. You can do this because yeah. we've said this. We have mm. some religions here, mm. and not all of them. And I, you know, um, the, the uh, some of the churches allow polygamy. Yeah, that yeah. You have multiple wives that you yeah. have these young, uh, minor wives, fourteen, yeah. fifteen years old, that you yeah. want to be the one to uh, break their virginity and yeah. continue the belief and the doctrine of this religion. You're building your own little, little world. Uh, and that's very, very dangerous. You have to, uh, you have to be careful of that. And then the women get together and they do talk. Was there any camaraderie among the sisters saying, you know what, this doesn't feel right. Something about this is wrong. Or were they afraid? Um, it, look, I started speaking up because I, I got tired of buying, being silent, you know, so I started speaking up and uh, I realized that what was going on in my marriage was not I had to choose. I had to choose between my staying means I'm showing to my children, to my two girls, this is an okay way to treat a woman. And it's not, you know. So I decided if I stayed within the relationship, I would be, I would be showing by my example that this is the way marriages are. And it just wasn't a message I wanted to tell my children. So once I decided I would leave. Um, I started speaking up about family violence in relationships and I'd seen it in other people's relationships. I'd seen abuse in other people's relationships um, in the church and I just decided I would speak up. So I started asking for opportunities to give a sermon on family violence, you know, <laughs> and wow. sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that didn't go down too well, but it did go down very well with the younger generation because they could relate to it. They could see that their parents, some of their parents' marriages were just really unpleasant, really unhappy. 
Um, and so, yeah, the older generation, the people who joined the church, um, they would be committed, you know, to to making it work, even if it couldn't work, you know. But the the children that were the products of those marriages were much more realistic about um, how this is not a good place to be. This is not a good relationship, you know. So it doesn't matter what your belief system. This is just not good, you know. Right. This, this so, doesn't yeah. doesn't no, yeah, and also I had to, I started uh, speaking up. I spoke up everywhere I could um, and uh, I uh, disclosed slowly and then it was met with opposition uh, from everyone, including the sisters, because they didn't understand, you know. And then I would just keep on speaking up. I didn't allow people to silence me. I wasn't really loud. I was quiet. I was discreet. But I thought I'm not going to be silenced, you know, because part well, of that, you were quiet and discreet. Yeah. Did you have private meetings? Did you have? Yeah. Uh, did you have um, communication with other sisters that yeah. felt the same way that you did? Were you rebellious? You know, did and and did you break away from the husband? You said you were married 27 years, but after yeah. 20 years, there was a change. What yeah. kind of things did you uh, incorporate? Well, uh, in answer to your questions, um, I did have discreet meetings with sisters, you know, just a small room of sisters, you know, and I would just uh, quietly disclose to someone that I regarded as an elder about what was going on. At first, it was met with opposition, but I just kept talking and I explained my situation and then it was met with sympathy and and support you know so just a, a handful of people not everybody some people would going to oppose me no matter what I did no matter what I said no matter how much um proof I offered um what was the other part of your question you were talking about what was the other part of your oh, question uh, you know again meeting with them the, yeah. the opposition that you felt and then leaving yeah. the husband yeah I left the husband um I made a uh, plan I left him twice, um, one when I was eight months pregnant with my second child, but I went back because he threatened me um, behind closed doors and um, I just had to go back. So I stayed for a lot longer. But when I finally left, I just realised what I was telling my children by my example of staying in a, an abusive relationship. And also they were copying the abuse too. You know, he was getting he was getting really scary. He was getting really scary. He was throwing things right past your ear at the wall. He was breaking things. You know, he was he was just plain scary. You know, so I put up with it enough and um, and, and I could see my kids being really affected by it as well. Um, but um, so I took 12 months to prepare. I reached out. Um, he was gambling as well. And that was a no-no in our church. There were so many things that were no-no and he did all of them. A child showed up, uh, another child showed up in Africa that was conceived during our marriage. And um, there were so many things that happened, you know, that I just couldn't tolerate anymore. So um, so I left, yeah, I, I took 12 months to leave. I found myself a job. I had a permanent back injury. I was so disabled I could barely walk. But um, over a period of time, I was able to find a job that I could stand for 10 minutes, sit for 10 minutes, walk for 10 minutes, and it was okay. Um, so I had to find myself jobs. I could only work three days a week. But I just thought I would rather leave than stay. And I thought, how can I get out of this marriage without him giving me grief, you know, over the kids and everything like that? So I said, you can have everything. You can have the house. You can have the car. You can have all of the furniture. You can have every damn thing in the house. Yeah. I'm taking the kids. Huh? 
I, I was very clear about my priorities. My children were coming with me because I wasn't leaving them behind in a in a uh, uh, in an environment where they would be afraid, you know, where they wouldn't have me, you know. So, um, but when you so walked and you that. left, yeah, did you still walk with God? Yeah, absolutely. But I needed that. I needed that. So when I came to terms with the fact that I'm leaving, doesn't interfere with me as a woman of faith. That's what I had to come to terms with before I could leave the marriage, that I could, I had to be able to separate the two because there is, there is a, a clear separation. You know, um, if, if your faith is holding you to an abusive marriage, then it's not, it's not a wonderful faith. It's not the faith that God would want you to have, you know? Yeah. So, so once I was able to come to terms with that, um, that my faith actually helped me in my recovery process and, and wow. I found a lot of women are the same is that 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 holds that gives them just a little bit more to be able to deal with all of the challenges that they face you know right. just but what more. you have to do is or you don't have to do or some people yeah. have to do is they have to have like your art a new sketch a new design yeah. a new template yeah. of what this quote-unquote god yeah is yeah. Is it to me? What does it mean to me? How is it supposed to feel? How do I want to feel? And who am I? Because yeah. you have been submerged and suppressed yeah. under the doctrine of what we're supposed to call love, faith, honor, and charity. Yeah. You are yeah. suppressed and abused by a person that is supposed to love and honor you as a husband yeah. and a father. Yeah. You lose your identity. You yeah. don't know who you are or what is really you know, what this is supposed to look like or feel like for you, because it's very individualized. Yeah. Let's just kind of tap into this for a minute. Hmm. We're all aware of the war now hmm. in Israel. Yeah. Um, my position is neutrality. My personal yeah. opinion. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to pick one side or the other because I have yeah. empathy for both sides. Yeah. My Lord and Savior was a Jew. But yeah. I also understand the Palestinians as well. I do not yeah. support terrorism. I do not support hate or violence. But as a Black woman in America, I understand what suppress, uh, suppression and oppression will do to you. Psychologically, physically, emotionally, it hampers you. And yeah. you get to a point where dialogue is no longer effective because you're not being heard mm, mm, mm. so what do you do like anybody like children like animals once you've been caged and, and oppressed then you're going to act out because violence is the only thing that people understand that is going to get an immediate reaction i don't know if there will ever be peace in the middle east According to what I read, mm. the, it, it, I don't foresee it anytime. Mm. But what do we say in support of individuals that are neutral, that just want peace, that just want love? How do we encourage them, Diane? What, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know sometimes even what to feel. If you are doing this, quote unquote, uh, under the pretext of a religion that is supposed to love because every text that I've ever read 
that is one of the paramount things that you have to incorporate is love and tolerance and respect and nonviolence. But these people in the world today are the complete polar opposite. I don't know what to, to you know, what to say. I think the, the Jewish faith is Old Testament, so it, it doesn't speak so much about the love that we talk from Jesus, you know, like unconditional right. love and forgiveness. So you've got to remember that too. Um, uh, but it is what it is. Um, I, uh, when I was in Israel, I spent 12 months there, six months with the, the Jewish people and six months with the Palestinians. So I have a slightly balanced perspective, you know, um, and uh, so... Uh, um, probably some people wouldn't necessarily like what I have to say, and that's okay. <laughs> but I'm this, I'm the same as you. I come down in the middle um, because there was injustice on both sides. But I have to say, um, I couldn't understand in the time I was in Israel how people who'd been through the Holocaust, who really had experienced for themselves what it's like to be oppressed, what it's like to be treated differently, um, just as a people, um, you know, for whatever reason, um, I couldn't understand how they could then turn around and do the same to someone else. And and I thought, you know, if they were doing that to German people, I might understand, but they weren't doing to German people. They were doing it to, to Palestinians and Gentiles. You know, it wasn't just the Palestinians. If you were Gentile, you're in trouble too. <laughs> so the first question I was asked when I got to Israel was, are you Jewish? And if you say no, because my father was Jewish, that means I'm not. If my mother was Jewish, I would be Jewish, according to the faith, you know. Yeah. So um, so I had to say no to that question. And that meant it's a very different treatment for you, you know. Yeah, a very different treatment. I understand I don't hold with um, terrorism. I don't. But I do understand that um, the Israelis had, uh, are fighting with sophisticated weaponry. They always have. The Palestinians were always fighting with stones and rocks. It's very different, okay? Um, yeah, so uh, there's only so much, as you said, um, there's only so much oppression and persecution and hardship that you can inflict upon people, and and finally they're going to explode. Finally they're going to explode. I I I think had had the Palestinians been treated with some dignity and respect. Um, I don't think Hamas would have a, a, a way into the West Bank. Huh? It, it laid a foundation for uh, someone to come in and say, we'll rescue you, we'll save you. Right, yeah. right, right. All, all of the means, reasons. By all means yeah. necessary. Yeah, under, exactly. Under the cover of religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a bad situation. Uh, I've, you know... Um, I feel sorrowful for both sides, you know, because I feel sorrowful, but I, I must admit I feel more sorrow for the Palestinians right now because when someone says um, we're going to cut off your water and your your uh, electricity and everything that you need to survive, I, I don't think that's a, a, um, I don't think that's an appropriate way of dealing with people. You know, that's that's saying I'm going to kill you, basically. Right. And it's, it's I'm, just I'm going to annihilate you and you won't be there. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about this forever. My heart, yeah. my stomach, my stomach hurts. Yeah. Uh, and 
because we're they're fighting wars that are centuries old. You know, that's like me, civil rights. Yeah. I'm all about civil rights. Yeah. But civil rights was handed to me. Yeah. I yeah. did not, you know, I was trampled in a yeah. couple riots, you know, mm. as a child. I remember that. Mm. But as far as being segregated or being a slave, mm. uh, and to continue that form of epigenetics mm. over and over and over again, the cycle will never change. Mm. But there mm. will there'll come a change and everyone is going to be very shocked. <laughs> they're going to be very shocked they're going to um have to get in line or they're going to get yeah. left behind for sure okay so now fast forward you mm. found your independence mm. you found god for yourself mm. you're free from this husband you've mm. got these two beautiful girls mm. where are you now in life yeah, I've got my own business. Um, uh, I worked uh, as a volunteer for 10 years doing court support and advocacy um, for survivors of family violence. Uh, I also ran, a co-facilitated a multicultural women's support group for the survivors. And um, as a result of, of doing that work over the 10 years, I started to hear where people were, where the women were in their their recovery process and I could see what was blocking them so what I did was I started creating trainings education uh, trainings that I could deliver to the the women's support group to see if that helped them to overcome those blockages and um, I just I developed seven trainings over seven years and each and every one of them was really successful <laughs> it was really amazing so some of them are still used um probably without my permission but some of those trainings are still used because they were so effective you know? <laughs> you probably without my permission <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway I don't mind because um you know I I uh as long as it makes a positive difference to people, I don't really care so much. So as a result of that, they kind of um, shoved me out um, after 10 years because um, I was doing stuff that I should have been paid for. And I think they thought they would get found out. So they kind of nudged me out of the place, which was really disappointing. But so I established my own business, family violence, mindset solutions. And, and um, now I'm working liaising with people um there's uh i run a, a support a family violence support group and trauma ptsd group with mental health foundation australia and um so i use collaborations you know to help people yeah so yeah that's what i'm doing and my my focus is recovery the recovery so there's a lot of government support for the first six to 12 months after in the crisis period but there's almost nothing for long-term recovery. So I'm, I'm a recovery coach and also a behavioral profiler. So I teach people what are the strategies of course of control, how to recognize them in the early stages of a relationship. How are they different to new love? You know, so new love and early stages of um, coercive control or abuse are almost identical. So how do you tell the difference between the two? What's the real difference, you know, so that I don't fall prey to that type thing. So, um, yeah, so I'm working with survivors who have come out of cults as well. And I'm using the same lens, you know, like um, once you understand family violence and the strategies of coercive control, you can apply it to so many things. And the reality is we need this education because 
um, bullying in the workplace, you know, like um, any sort of control mechanism anywhere. It's not just families, you know, it's, it might start in families, it might have had its beginning in families, but it, it seeps into the workplace, it seeps into schools, it seeps into every area of life, you the know, aspect of your life, because it's a part of the programming. Exactly, exactly. So that's why I'm really interested in recovery, really interested in educating people to recognize these strategies and um, and wherever they may be, wherever they and may be. And also, let's dial back to what you said, religion versus spirituality. Yeah. Uh, don't be fooled. Yeah. That, you know, there are energy thieves. Yeah. And there are people that will manipulate you on a different frequency in a different kind of way. Yep. And you have no way of being clear because sometimes you can go from the pot to the frying pan. You already have this mentality. It's like, a, for an example, a person that's on drugs. They have an addictive personality. Once you've gotten off maybe the weed, then you take the pills. Now you're taking the heroin. Now you're just you know, taking everything because that is what is ingrained in you. That's what feels comfortable. Uh, you say in Australia that, again, they tend more to be more spiritual. Do you yeah. find coercive control in that realm as well? It's everywhere. Spirituality? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So that's why um, once I learned the strategies, once I became really familiar with the strategies of coercive control, um, I just look through that lens and I see it everywhere, you know, but I think you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. I'm suspicious of every relationship, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's healthy. I actually think that's healthy, you know, that's so right. I, I now, I now insist that people earn my trust rather than just automatically give it. Absolutely. Um, I'm yeah. with you 110%. When yeah. I meet people, you do not get a hundred with me. You oh, might get right. 65. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's yeah. my boundary. That's yes. my safety zone. That gives us an opportunity to even have a agree to disagree. But how yes. do you show up? Dis yes. What is your disagreeableness? What yes. is uh, my tolerance level? Mm -hmm. you no, know? because everybody yes. at a certain age, even kids, you're going to have some conflicts. Yeah, absolutely. Not, this is how you know what you like, what you don't like. This is how you establish your position. Yeah. But it's how you do it. It's how you treat people. It's what you learn from it. All of that. So in closing, I'd like to ask you, Diane, where yeah. are you in your walk with your faith? Oh, um, I still I still have this really beautiful relationship with God. Um, and um, I talk to him. <laughs> I drive my car and I'm talking to him, you know, like, um, but I'm also um, stating my case. Like, I don't, um, I don't ask my God, give me a sign that I'm doing the right thing. I don't do that. We're beyond that now. He, he wants me to grow up. He wants me to make decisions and consult him but make those decisions and action those decisions with with um, using my values, beliefs, and and morals as as a basis. You know, so I do that, and now I make these actions, I make these decisions, and then I I say this is what I've done. What do you think about that? Most of the time, I'm getting good feedback. Most of the time, but I've always said whatever decisions I make, I'm making them, and I will take full responsibility for the outcome. You know, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not saying, you know, show me a sign, otherwise I'm not going to do anything. I mean, that that means you, you're afraid to do anything at all, you know. 
And God wants people to be leaders. He doesn't want people just to be followers who are saying, help me, help me, help me, help me all the right. time. Right. So, right. so that's my, that's where I am at this moment in time. Do you go to uh, a religious temple or church no. or? No, not don't need to. I just don't need to anymore. I, you know I what, and, and I don't either. No, I could. Because, uh, again, I have that personal one-on-one -on -one relationship. Yeah. I'm very spiritual, and yeah. I believe in the word, and I believe in Jesus Christ, yeah. and I'm yeah. not afraid to say it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't need to wear it on the outside. I need to live it on the inside. Yeah. And so that's, thank that's you so much. You are my just, pleasure. You're, you're, you're a beautiful woman. You are really a beautiful woman. And You've endured a lot, but again, mm -hmm. you were strong. You were strong from the day that they picked you up at that train station with that backpack. You <laughs> always had a sense of independence. You yes. always had a sense of self. So brains, yes. reach out and look for that. Look for what feels good, mm -hmm. what makes you happy, what makes you, what makes you smile, what makes you giggle. Uh, you got a beautiful infectious laugh, but also mm -hmm. what love feels like, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's no shame to have an orgasm. There's mm. no shame to be loved and have passion and want to snuggle up. Uh, there's no shame in being alone. You can be lonely and, and alone. You know, you just don't have to uh, go through this and listen, listen to your heart. If someone is telling you something and it's not resonating with your soul and they keep trying to ingrain it in you and all, you know, it's like a, a pair of shoes. If you are a size nine and they keep giving you a six, baby, it just don't fit. <laughs> it just doesn't fit. Please, yeah. uh, Diane, please tell my brains how to get in contact with you. If they are in a coercive controlled relationship, if they are fearful, if they are a victim of domestic violence, um, mm. please, how can they contact you? Well, they can, they can go to my website. It's called familyviolencemindsetsolutions.com com it may be dot au but anyway try both i can't remember which <laughs> and, um, and they can talk to me through that they can contact me through that okay yeah all right and i'll definitely put all of your contact information at the back of the interview you have been so full uh and mm -hmm. so giving and so transparent i thank you for that i thank god for you that you. Uh, again like that angel on your shelf there's an angel yeah. in that chair someone that wants <laughs> to uplift you and carry you on their wings you're not alone Thank you. <laughs> Go in, brains, and like, love, share, and subscribe. Pretty please. Like, love, share, and subscribe so that you can always be on the edge where it's pointed, the conversation is real, uh, and we care about you. We love you. If there's something that you don't agree with, leave a comment as long as it's respectful because if not, we'll delete it. <laughs> <laughs> we know how to get rid of things that don't suit us and don't feel good to us. Right, Diane? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Sending you love and light, my sister. See you later. <laughs> All right. Bye, brains. Have a good day. <laughs>